Welcome to this week's episode of Business Wise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. Now, it's been quite a while since we addressed the famous conditions and their formulas as discovered by Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. And we have never talked about the lowest condition there is, which is called confusion. As a review for those who follow this podcast, and for those of you learning about this for the first time, Mr. Hubbard discovered that there are exact operating states in this universe that beings and objects go through as they increase or decrease in their survival. And if one can isolate what operating state or condition one is in, one can then take precise steps or formulas to move from one condition up to the next higher one. For example, if a deer, say, has a certain path by which they get to a pond of water, they might typically use a specific path daily as a normal routine. The deer moving itself along that path is in a condition called normal operation. It's a direct path. It's reliable safe, with a great view of the terrain to spot potential predators, etc., why change the path, since it has been a safe and survival path? The first step of the normal formula is don't change anything. So, you know, deer has securely used this path for all seasons, say, and it's been uh, reliable. So don't change the path. But one day there's a human scent near the path. That signals a change in condition. Now, the condition or operating state has changed from normal to one that Mr. Hubbard calls danger. Would it make sense for the deer to just go ahead on down that path like it's normal? No, that's a good way to become a venison steak. So that first step of normal, don't change anything, is not survival for that deer. Maybe for the hunter, but not for the deer. He would then apply the first step of danger, which is, Bypass normal habits and routines. Better find a different path. You follow that? So different operating states or different conditions call for different things that one would do. One doesn't do the same things with one's business, for instance. If one is consistently expanding, you don't then go change everything. That's normal operation. So you don't change anything. That's a first step. There's other steps. We went into the normal formula already. We've gone into the danger formula a couple of times. So review those earlier episodes if you want more details on the other conditions formulas. But the point is, if your business is now in trouble, then you need to do something different, right? Different operating state, different steps, different formulas. And Mr. Hybrid isolated these with a great deal of precision, and they work like magic. So now, as one descends down the conditions, see, here's the other thing. If one doesn't do the steps of a formula, one drops. So if you're in a certain condition, and it requires certain steps to be done, and you don't do those steps, let's say that the deer now doesn't bypass normal habits and routines and the following steps of the danger formula. Most deer don't know the danger formula, but they instinctively follow some part of it, right? But each of these formulas has a number of steps with them, and you, most of them do anyway, and you need to make sure you do the whole formula. But the deer not following the first step of danger would obviously put themselves in more danger 
and that would be the end of that deer. So consequently, a business that is doing promotional and sales practices and the business is contracting, well, if they don't change something, in other words, do a different formula than the normal formula, then they're going to end up in more and more trouble. So if you don't do the steps of a formula, you drop lower into the next condition or operating state down. Okay, so now as one descends down the conditions, one hits rock bottom at a condition called confusion. So let's define confusion. Now, the book I'm going to uh, take this information from was originally published in 1968 by Mr. Hubbard. It is an introduction to ethics because ethics is, of course, survival or rationality uh, towards the greatest level of survival. So Uh, These formulas are basically formulas one implies to handle one's increase in survival, in other words, to improve one's ethics so that one's survival is greater, okay? So ethics are reason for Mr. Hubbard. So these formulas are then courses for reason. All right, so this is a definition. This section is on the condition of confusion. And he says here, the lowest condition is a condition of confusion. This is a quote from Mr. Hubbard. In a condition of confusion, the being or area will be in a state of random motion. There will be no real production, only disorder or confusion. Now, surely in all of your experience, you've been in a business or a group where uh, the place is in a total confusion. Maybe it's an automotive repair shop and you walk in there and cars are laying around all over the place. There doesn't seem to be any particular order. The tools are in no particular order. It looks chaotic and you can pretty much guarantee it's going to be quite a bit of work to get your uh, automobile in there repaired and back out again uh, operating correctly, right? That's not likely to happen. You You can tell at a glance this place is in chaos. All right, on the other hand, you go into another automotive repair shop, a number of my members, their automotive repair shops, I've seen them, they are so outstanding, I would feel safe to be operated on. Someone could probably do heart surgery in some of the bays that they, they're so clean and so well organized. I'm exaggerating a bit, but, uh, but seriously, they are meticulous. And um, that's a real indication that that person is not in a, con- in a condition of confusion at all. It's probably much higher, more like the highest condition there is, which is power. Okay, so you can. You can look at a group and you can see confusion. You can also look at an individual. You can, let's say you've got a storekeeper and you're going back there and he's keeping all the stores for a summer camp, say, and everything is, he can't find anything. Everything is in a mishmash and things are spilled over and stuff that looks like questionably aged, maybe uh, should have been thrown out a long time ago, this kind of stuff. Now you're looking at a person who is in a condition of confusion. You can see it manifested around them. And most commonly, uh, very, very difficult to get any kind of production out of that person. So he says, in a condition of confusion, the being or area will be in a state of random emotion. There will be no real production, only disorder or confusion. In order to get out of confusion, one has to find out where he is. Okay, we're going to get into that in a second here. But first, I want to get into the description of confusion a little bit better. Mr. Robert says, It is important that the person who is in confusion be cleared up on the definition of confusion. Then he goes on to say, this is done before the formula itself is started. And then Mr. Hubbard gives definitions here. Number one is the definition of confusion now. One, any set of factors or circumstances which do not seem to have any immediate solution. We've all had this experience acutely where we're confused. 
what the heck is the handling? Like, what are we going to do here that's uh, going to start to resolve this? Initially, at least, we're in a set of factors or circumstances which do not seem to have any immediate solution, and we can go into confusion. Now, for those of us in a higher condition, that confusion will generally pass as we start to uh, resolve the problem, usually by grabbing some stable point of it, some stable datum, uh, which I will go into in a second here. But the bottom line is you're looking at a circumstance which doesn't seem to have a solution. That's, con that's a very strong indication. The person is in a condition of confusion. They have no answers. They do not have any. They're in a set of factors or circumstances that do not seem to have any immediate solution. Then he goes on to describe it as follows, quote, more broadly, a confusion in this universe is random motion. If you were to stand in heavy traffic, you would be likely to feel confused by all the motion whizzing around you. If you were to stand in a heavy storm with leaves and papers flying by, you would be likely to feel confused. Now, that is for sure. If any of you have ever been uh, experienced a real blizzard, I'm talking about, you know, Canadian-type blizzards, which I am well familiar with. It is very disorienting because there's no horizon. Uh, you can barely see your feet on occasion and everything is white and swirling and there is no real sense of direction. You might feel confused by that. And uh, if you've experienced some of my friends from uh, Florida have experienced hurricanes and lots of whirling random motion, it's a confusion. If you've ever been in a disaster situation where, you know, a burning building or a sinking vessel, wow, is there a lot of random motion as people are scurrying around trying to put order in? There's confusion, okay? And he goes on to say this, a confusion is only a confusion so long as all particles are in motion. A confusion is only a confusion so long as no factor is clearly defined or understood. Okay, so now he extrapolates on this a great deal. Those of you who've read uh, the book I've recommended many, many times called Problems of Work by Mr. Hubbard, this is going to sound very, very familiar because he goes into this. It's actually called The Doctrine of the Stable Datum. And I'm just going to read from the book Problems of Work, which if you haven't read it yet, at least six times, I'm not really joking. I've read it nine times. It's an extraordinary book, very easy to get through, but each time you go through it, you'll find you'll understand more and more about life and work. But he says here, the doctrine of the stable datum, he says, and I quote from the book now, if you saw a great many pieces of paper whirling about a room, they would look confused until you picked out one piece of paper to be the piece of paper by which everything else was in motion. In other words, a confusing Motion can be understood by conceiving one thing to be motionless. Let's go back to our snowstorm. You know, you're, uh, you're in the great white north. Uh, you step out of your home, and uh, everything is a swirling whiteness, and there's banks of snow, you know, several feet high all over, and you uh, have to somehow make your way across the yard over there, maybe to the street, so that you can walk down the road and get to your bus stop or your subway station or whatever it is, and you're looking out there, and you're you don't know where to even set your first step. 
it's a total confusion. You're at the front door, you just open the door, and you're standing on the stoop, and you're looking out at that confusion. And what are you going to do? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to look for something that will be standing still. Like, where is the mailbox? Where is the lamppost? Where is the doorway across the street? I can barely make it out, but there it is. Now I am oriented. Why? Because I have found one datum that is stable. And that, to that extent, will lessen the confusion. Okay, now I know I got to kind of walk this way because the lamppost is over to my right and the walkway would be in front of me then. So this way is the way I'm going to walk to get to the street. All right, so there you have an example of a stable datum lessening a confusion, what have you, but it can also be on a job. He's, he gives another example here. He says, a switchboard operator receiving 10 calls at once solves a confusion by labeling correctly or incorrectly one call as a first call to receive her attention. The confusion of, quote, 10 calls all at once, end quote, becomes less confusing the moment she singles out one call to be answered. So this can also be in terms of your position trying to handle, you know, a whole bunch of things that are happening at the same time, pick one. It may or may not be the right one to pick first, but just the fact that you've picked one as the stable datum will, to that extent, uh, reduce the confusion. Now, then he goes on and he talks about knowledge here. You get confused by uh, data. Has that ever happened to you? You know, you're reading something and it's not making any sense to you, or you're trying to unravel a problem, a mathematical problem, a construction problem, a surgical problem, any kind of problem. He says, any body of knowledge, more particularly and exactly, is built from one datum. That is its stable datum. Invalidate it, and the entire body of knowledge falls apart. A stable datum does not have to be the correct one. It is simply the one that keeps things from being in a confusion and on which others are aligned. So even with trying to understand something, pick one thing that you can now understand. Okay, I'm trying to understand cameras and there's all this information i'm being given all this data about cameras and photography uh what can i pick as a stable datum doesn't really matter what you pick as long as you pick one so here we have the subject of photography it's all very confusing all right let's pick something simple like the quality and the amount of light is going to determine the success of the photograph and if it's dark you're not going to see very much. You may need to make arrangements to have more light get to uh, your film. And if it's light, then we may have to reduce the amount of light because it might be too bright. So here, at least we can make some sort of a stable datum that the amount of light is going to influence the quality of the photograph that I'm taking. So now I have to be able to somehow control light. Okay, that's a stable datum. Is it the best one? Maybe. Uh, is it the right one or the wrong one doesn't really matter. The fact that that has been chosen now puts the rest of the information somewhat in a context and you can start to bring order to the knowledge, okay? All right, so let's go back to our formula. So he says, a confusion, this is now back to uh, Mr. Roberts' description of the condition of confusion. He says, a confusion is only a confusion so long as all particles are in motion. A confusion is only a confusion so long as no factor is clearly defined or understood. Then he goes on to say this, confusion is the basic cause of stupidity. A confusion could be called an uncontrolled randomness. Only those who can exert some control over that randomness can handle confusions. Those who cannot exert control actually breed confusions. So this is an interesting factor. The, the person who can handle confusion is generally 
able to control things in their environment, and people that cannot control things are generally in a condition of confusion or confused. And uh, he gives a second definition here is, all a confusion is is unpatterned flow. A particles collide, bounce off each other, and stay in the area. Thus, there is no product. As to have a product, something must flow out. So that is a manifestation of confusion. If you're trying to set up an event, you know, a seminar or a big convention or something like that, and no one's been assigned any specific duties, nobody knows exactly what they're supposed to do, you just tell them all to get to work, you're going to see a lot of random motion, you're going to see a lot of confusion, and you're not going to see that hall set up. I promise you that. Same thing with a breakdown. It can take you hours and hours to break down an event because it's not properly organized. Everybody's in a random motion. People are sort of stepping all over each other and getting in each other's way. And it will uh, take hours and hours to clear the place. And even after it's done, it's not really done. It's probably uh, not yet a product because you've had nothing but confusion. And so nothing's going to come out of it. By now, you should have a pretty clear idea of what a confusion is and why it's such a low operating state. You know, you look at a person who's about to uh, give up in apathy, you know, over some project, no product at all coming out. Look in their eyes. There is confusion. There may not be much motion around them, but they are overwhelmed now with confusion. You know, even standing at death's door, probably, you know, it's like, what's going on? There's confusion. So now he gives you the formula of how you get out of confusion. He says the formula for confusion. Now we're talking about the basic formula here. He says the formula for confusion is find out where you are. Where are you? Find out where you are. What? Now, how does that relate? Remember the definition of confusion, random motion. Think of a person who is in that state. How accident prone are they? Are they likely to walk into walls, knock over a ladder someone is standing on? You get it. If you observe them closely, they are not where they are. They might have a physical body there, but, but where are they? Probably somewhere else entirely, maybe a few days, months, or years in the past. Your first step, the thing that is going to start putting order in all this confusion, is to get the person to locate themselves. What in effect you are doing is you're bringing them closer to what Mr. Hubbard refers to as present time. Now, here's Mr. Hubbard's definition of present time. He says, when we say that somebody should be in present time, we mean he should be in communication with his environment. We mean, further, that he should be in communication with his environment as it exists, not as it existed. So we're talking about the person in communication with their environment, the person who's confused. Do you think they really see what's around them? You, you walk into that, you know, you've got that store manager or the, uh, the store master in the summer camp and everything is confusion. The canoes are all over the place. The, the ropes are all over the place. It's a do you, think, do you think he sees it? You might have to say, well, you know, where is the, uh, where are the paddles for the canoe? And he could be looking around and seeing nothing and you could see it. Why? Because he's not in present time. He's not in communication with his environment. You end up having to bypass him. You go into the stores area. You start, you know, start lifting up stuff and looking under stuff. And my God, what a mess. Right. But sure enough, there are the, the, the paddles that he couldn't find. So he's not seeing it. He is not in present time. Now, another definition of present time, he says, uh, Mr. Hubbard says the ground, sky, walls, objects, and people of the immediate environment. 
In other words, the anatomy of present time is the anatomy of the room or area in which you are at the moment when you view it. So that's Mr. Hubbard. So now the objective with someone in confusion is very simple. Get them to find out where they are. Now, Mr. Hubbard wrote three additional steps to the confusion formula, which are extremely, extremely powerful when done correctly. Uh, do not underestimate the power of these steps on someone in confusion. They are simple, deceptively so, but they work like magic. So remember the basic formula. Find out where you are. And then Mr. Hubbard gives these additional steps. He says the additional formula for the condition of confusion is one, locational on the area in which one is. So then he defines locational. A locational is done by walking around with the person, both indoors and out of doors, using the commands, look at that indicated object, thank you. Using objects such as a chair, a tree, a car, the floor, the ceiling, a house, etc. The person running the locational would point at the object each time. It is simply run until the person visibly brightens up and has a cognition. What's a cognition? It's a realization about something. So you're doing a locational on the area in which one is. You could take this person who's in confusion. We take our storekeeper uh, and we take him outside the storehouse and we say, uh, you know, look at that tree. Thank you. Look at that wall. Thank you. Look at that dock. Thank you. Look at that branch. Thank you. And he's looking around, he's looking around. What are you doing with me? Right? But at some point, he just brightens up and he goes, Wow, it's spring. Or something like that, you know, or my goodness, my goodness, I've been in such a fog. Or, you know, I didn't notice that that boathouse is now blue. Whatever it is, it's a realization, it's a cognition, and you're, gonna, you're, you're good with that. That locational is over. That's first step, step one. Step two, comparing where one is to other areas where one was. Okay, let's take our storekeeper again. So, um, so uh, compare where we are here to uh, other places where you've been. Oh, I remember when I was in, you know, Camp Louis Voyageur, you know, and the place was a wreck, and, you know, and the, the guy who ran it was, you know, little Hitler and, you know, so on and so on and so on. And he starts describing this whole thing. Well, how does it compare to where? Well, it's, you know, it's actually kind of bright around here, and it's, uh, you know, people are friendly, and boss is actually okay, you know, and uh, much, much prettier around here than old Camp Louis Voyageur, you know? So now he's describing this, uh, where he is now, he's comparing it to where he was. And you just keep doing that for a while. He'll brighten up again, maybe have a cognition. And then he goes on to step three. Three, repeat step one. Give him another locational. Oh, wow, you know, I guess I'm not at Camp Lewis Voyageur anymore. This is uh, Camp, you know, Camp Jody Brown. In fact, this is a girl's camp and the other one was a guy's camp. So, man, have I ever been confused. That's right. Let's repeat step one, which is, of course, another locational. So then you go around and you say, okay, good. Look at that tree. Thank you. Look at that dock. Thank you. Look at that boathouse. Thank you. Look at that sign. Thank you. And you just keep pointing. You've got to point each time. That's the locational. That's a process called locational. And uh, you do that again. The guy should be pretty much snapped out of it. 
Those are the three additional steps for the condition of confusion. You want to get the guy uh, to find out where he is. Now, with that done, he can go up to the next condition formula, which is treason. If you want to know more about treason, uh, you can listen to the episode on that. You can study up on it by reading this book, Introduction to Ethics, by Mr. Hubbard. But treason is defined as betrayal after trust, right? So it's a, a higher condition. You say, well, that's pretty low, betrayal after trust. You know, they betrayed me. Yeah, but uh, it's not as low as confusion. You know, you go into an auto repair shop where they're in treason. Yeah, they'll probably betray your trust, but they'll get out something. In a condition of confusion, the place is going to get out nothing. It is total chaos. Um, they won't even be up to betraying you yet. You, you got to get them up to treason first before they're going to be able to even betray you. But don't leave them in treason very long. It's got its own steps. It's got its own formula. And um, that's covered in another episode. But that will uh, serve you very, very well. Now, there is a confusion formula for groups. It's different than this one. Uh, we'll have to cover that in another podcast. There's also an expanded uh, confusion formula, which will also make the subject of another podcast. There's quite a bit to know about this, but this uh, basic and uh, this basic formula with its additional steps will give you a lot of wins. Yeah, you'll uh, you'll look pretty magical. You can take people who are in definitely clearly in confusion, not getting out any kind of production, and uh, nothing seems to be resolvable for them. Uh, they can't solve any of the problems around them. Uh, you just get them to get that first stable datum. They know where they are. They are in communication with their environment uh, as it is, not as it was. And uh, you will see a marked uh, improvement. It's not going to put them in power right out, of the, right out of the gate, but it'll get them to the next condition, which uh, if you apply that step, will get them into the condition after that. And you just walk them up that ladder of conditions by doing the steps of each formula. And sooner or later, you're going to get this person into, uh, into minimally normal operation. And ultimately, the highest condition there is, which is, of course, power. All right. Hope this was helpful. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening.